Hi, I'm Mark Hill, and this is the segment, The Podcast. I believe in human's potential, that the ultimate expression of oneself is achievable. And we all have that urge, that need to progress and become better. And I feel that the trail can help us do that. Whether it's overcoming fears, learning from mistakes, taking calculated trail risks, or building those long-lasting friendships. It's all progression. Join me as I speak with folks who are moving from the ordinary to the extraordinary, and let's catch them on their journey towards the KOM of their life. Welcome to the segment. Let's go. Hey, hey, senders, welcome back to another episode of the Segment Podcast. This is episode 58 with my special guest, David Lieb, a 2019 Fox US Open Slope Style Champion. Uh, In this episode, you'll hear a lot of great pieces of mindset from David on progression on the bike, as well as some of the things that he likes to do before he drops in and also the mindset behind competition. So it really helps get into the mind of a champion on this episode. Before we get into the show, special thank you goes out to the supporters of the segment podcast and YouTube channel. Special thank you going out to Tasco MTB. Tasco, a company made by mountain bikers for mountain bikers. If you see me out on the trails, you'll usually always catch me in some kind of Tasco apparel. If you're looking to buy something from Tasco, if you click on the show notes, it will actually be helping out the channel. That is a affiliate link there in the show notes through Tasco. Also in 2022, special thank you to Afton Shoes for their support. Afton Shoes, casually technical shoes created also by a mountain biker for the mountain biker. If you do need something, whether it's clipless or flats, use promo code SENDER10 for 10% off of your purchase. Again, that is promo code SENDER10 for 10% off of your purchase. Also, a special thank you going out to YT Industries. Thank you to YT for living uncaged and supporting the segment podcast. If you see me out on the trails, I will be on the Jeff C Core 4 this year, and uh, I am loving that bike. I primarily live and ride here in Southern California, Greer Ranch, and those areas, and I found that that bike is plenty of bike and plenty of stoke for me. Check out bikes there at ytindustries.com. Also, thank you to Goop Industries for this 2022. Goop Industries, if you need some air and slime, you can find that all in one can. It's small, it's light, and it's easy to carry out on the trails without having to lug around all the tubes. If you want uh, some Goop, please go to goopindustries.com and use promo code SENDER20 for 20% off of your purchase. Again, that's promo code SENDER20 for 20% off of your purchase. Also, thank you to Spy Optic. Spy, keeping my eyes and uh, protected out on the trails, on and off the trails. Spy Optic has me covered on the goggles from the foundation goggles all the way down to lifestyle glasses like the Discords. If you need some kind of glasses, whether you're on or off the bike this season, check them out at spyoptic.com and enter promo code SENDER10 and get 10% off of your purchase. Again, that's promo code SENDER10 for 10% off of your purchase. And last but not least, new to the support of the segment channel is Better Bolts. If you need bolts or upgrading bolts on your bike, check out betterbolts.com and use promo code SEGMENT10 for 10% off your purchase. Again, that is promo code SEGMENT10 for 10% off your purchase. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, our special guest, David Lieb. Hey, what's up, Senders? Welcome back to the Segment Podcast. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Um, I'm joined by my co-host tonight. I got a co-host tonight. This is Triple Whip One. He is a writer for Giant, a.k.a. Chris, and he's going to help me uh, co-host today for our special guest, David Lieb. Uh, Chris, let's talk to the folks a little bit about uh, you as a writer and just kind of introduce yourself real quick. Yeah, sure. Um, so I grew up mountain biking most of my life um, on the East Coast, and um, uh, biking always uh, stayed with me. And I just had a, a passion for the sport um, and, and helping others discover mountain biking. And 
um, yeah, and here I'm out in sunny Arizona getting to continue to ride and, um, you know, uh, do that. And I'm so thankful and blessed for that and uh, happy to be here to host the podcast. Yeah. And Chris, if you guys have seen a further episode back, I had Chris and Aaron Lutzi on, and we talked about kind of the pathway that mountain biking took from its grassroots beginning up until where it is today. And I got a phone call from Chris not too long ago and he goes, Hey man, I think I've got a great idea for where mountain biking is heading. And uh, he introduced the name David Lieb to me. And I, it took me just a quick second to go look and go, Oh my gosh, this guy is insane, insane. So uh, he's backstage right now and I'm really excited to have him on the show. Uh, gonna give a couple shout outs real quick. We have Timothy Haley on the on the line. Alpha MTB is out there. Mike, what's up? Mike Savicky, how are you, brother? Where did you guys ride today? Go ahead and pop that in the chat box for us. It was a uh, man, it was a good weekend of riding. And uh, the dirt is still amazing out here in Southern California. AJ is on. What's up, AJ? And uh, we see double R on the line too. Oh, dang. MTB Raging. Craig, what's up? I could not keep up with this guy on the e-bike at Aliso yesterday. Jeez Louise. Uh, Mike, dude, Greer Ranch. I was at Greer Ranch today. Have, Chris, have you been to Greer Ranch? Uh, I have not yet. I've heard good things, though. Yeah, Greer, Greer is fun. Um, we have uh, Tim says, what's up? Riding dirty. What's up? What's up, Eric? All Another Arizona guy, Chris. Uh, Eric riding dirty nice. out in Arizona. Looks like double R was in Portuguese, Portuguese bent Palos Verdes. Dang. What's up? Alpha MTB bomber crew. Dude, you guys are in Sycamore. Good Lord. This is awesome. This is so good. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you all are here. Yeah. EMTB, A-Rod. What's up, Mark? My son loves seeing you today. Dude, it was a blast. We were at, uh, we were at uh, Greer and just having a blast out there. Eric Blair, what's up, bro? Good to see you. We have a MTB coach on the line for the for the Nika or Nika, however you say. So, um, folks, our special guest tonight is David Lieb. He is a slope style rider and just uh, man, an incredible beast on the bike. And uh, thanks to Chris for helping me get uh, David on the show. Um, just so you know, David is on the East Coast right now, so he's on the 10.30 p.m. time slot, which is awesome that he's here. Um, so without further ado, Chris, what do you think, man? Should we go ahead and get David Lee on? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. One quick note I would mention is the first time I met Dave was actually at a uh, slope style competition, and really nobody had any idea who he was, but he ended up winning the whole contest. And um, you know, yeah. So to say his riding is phenomenal would be quite an understatement. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And if you guys have not heard of David Lee, please do yourselves a favor. Go on Instagram right now <laughs> and check out this guy right here. Here we're gonna go through his Instagram and like have him <laughs> talk about some of these things. But this I don't even understand. Like that must be the takeoff, right? But he's facing us, so <laughs> yeah. So he's doing a what looks to be a, a no-handed 360, um, and he's the camera's catching him facing backwards. Good lord! All right, folks, let's go ahead and get David Lieb on the show. Yo, buddy, what's up, David? Hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> it's good. Hey. Thanks for being on, man. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I know Chris knows a lot about the slope style and he's going to help me co-host this, but uh, how did you get into mountain biking and when did this whole slope style thing, did you start in slope style? <laughs> so it's been a long journey on the bike over the last, I don't even know, 10, 15 years, but um, I really started out with motocross back in the day when I was a little kid. That was kind of always my dream is to be a professional motocross racer. But it wasn't too long until I realized that kind of just wasn't in the cards for me. So what I did instead was I always was riding my bicycle as well as my dirt bike. And then at about age 12, age 13, I started to discover a bunch of YouTube videos on BMX freestyle. So really it like every all of my like dreams and everything started to shift just naturally into that and it's funny one of the first uh youtube people i ever started watching was nikolai Rogotkin, 
and yep. now he's like a competitor and a good friend but um yeah i started watching youtube videos of that and then rode bmx freestyle all the way until <laughs> all the way through high school and then until i was about 18 or 19 and that's when i started to branch out into mountain bikes wow geez now, when you were branching out into mountain biking, did you know slope style or did slope style exist when you wanted to go into it? Or was this something that when it started up, you knew that's where you wanted to go? So I definitely watched it. There was a lot of events going on around that time. And my friend Reed Boggs was doing really well with slope style. I actually entered into the downhill realm first. So I was racing downhill and that was kind of that kind of got going through my my local bike shop where I was working at the time, and they were kind of like giving me advice on where to go and what to do, and I I just thought it was all cool and fun, so I raced downhill for about two years before I really was just like, what am I doing? Like I should just go compete in slope style, It'd be way more fitting for what I'm doing, or what 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 my skill set is really. So it was 2017 and then I made the drive out to Colorado for CFF, which is Colorado Freeride Festival. And that was my first slope style contest. And from the moment I made it through the course, I kind of just like knew this is where I was going to take my life. And at that time it wasn't even a career. It was really just a hobby. So, and then as the years passed beyond that, it really started to develop into a career. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. I mean, watching everything that you've, you've done here is, is insane. So as I look through your Instagram, um, there's just so many pictures of you going so big. <laughs> but is there, if I go further back down, is there one particular um, post here that uh, kind of talks about that journey when you first got into it? Oh man, there's been so many posts. I've done like, there's been so much going on over the last few years and um usually like one or two images from or videos from each place i go gets posted so there's wow an unsortable amount of things but uh yeah i guess you could go with that photo right there that was yeah. actually from my that was 2018 i think it was okay at crankworks so that was okay. my first crankworks whip off so wow. that was um back when crankworks whistler used to happen and that event was just unreal like it the the crowd the vibes the energy like everything was just amazing and like kind of just the pinnacle of what you'd expect from a mountain bike competition so dang i bet the energy was so high on 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 these and uh just like your whip there <laughs> extremely <laughs> extremely high now one of the questions that we got was um injury basically doing these things uh like this one right here how, how do you learn these types of like tricks and have you ever had a, a bad injury so the learning process it really is just about starting small taking baby steps progressing one percent of the time if you bite off more than you can chew you're definitely going to get hurt okay. but i think i've been pretty good about progressing slowly and luckily I've had a long time to learn all these tricks and I kind of derived them from BMX as well so all these tricks that you see are years in the making and you start off learning the basic like you learn a 360 and then you learn a bar spin and then like even you can even go smaller than that but that's kind of like the building blocks once you have all the building blocks then you can start to take them to bigger jumps and learn how learn how the aerials work but um, yeah, it's just progressing slowly, taking your time. Don't rush progression. That's probably the biggest uh, thing I would tell anyone who's trying to learn new tricks is just be patient and let it happen when it's ready. That's a great tip. Yeah, don't rush progression. I, I love that. Did you have a coach early on to help you kind of with your the fundamentals in, in bike and body position? I didn't have an actual designated coach but everything I learned is kind of self-taught just from studying YouTube and other watching other riders and wow. then back when I was a bit younger too I would go to the skate park or go to Woodward or wherever wherever there was people riding and oftentimes people are just really friendly and they kind of all if the rider is like qualified a lot of times they'll just help you learn a trick or they'll give you some tips that might help you out 
Dang. but yeah, it's, um, it's really like the community kind of coaches one another if that's, you ask for it or if you need it, you know, that's cool. Yeah. That's that whole iron sharpens iron, you know, where, uh, one person helps get the other person stronger, better. That is very cool. I noticed on a lot of these videos, um, all your bikes are GT is, is GT the bike brand that, uh, uh, helps support you. Yep. So I've been on GT since 2018, I think. Okay. Yeah, the beginning of 2018 is when I got my first GT, and I've been with them ever ever since then, and it's been awesome, honestly. Wow. We've came out with some new bikes in that time and done a lot of cool projects, and I'm excited for more in the future. We've got a couple things coming out soon that are going to be really cool, so I'm nice. looking forward to announcing them. Nice. We'll, we'll definitely have to make sure we, we keep up with your story and watch as these things come out. Um, this bike right here that we're looking at is this, um, I mean, for slope style versus downhill versus just cruising around, are, are they completely different bikes? Yeah, totally. The bikes are really specific for what, uh, what you're doing with them nowadays. Like that right there is my downhill bike. And it's not a very efficient pedaler, but you don't really need it to be an efficient pedaler because it's made for riding places with a ski lift or shuttle access. So mm -hmm. um, it's it takes the downhills really well, and it's just kind of very specific. So that right there is my dirt jumper, and that one is made specifically for doing tricks, riding jumps, riding skate parks, and it's just very small and agile, so you can flip it around really, really easily. David, would you start a lot of your new tricks on the dirt jumper and then take it to your bike that you ride slope style on? Well, it depends on the competition, but actually most of the time I would be competing slope in a slope style event with the La Bamba dirt jumper that you see right there. Oh, it's dang, only dang. like, yeah, it's only very specific courses that I would get the actual like slope style bike out. Um, Highland Mountain Bike Park being one of those that's one that's a little bit bigger and steeper or it's, it's steeper and the landings are kind of uh, the, the impacts are big enough to where you want that extra rear shock. But most of the time, like crankworks courses, you can just ride a hardtail because the courses are smooth, smooth enough. Gotcha. And by yep. the way, congratulations again on your win there at the Highland bike park. I, I did see that is, is Thank this, you. is this contest right here, this picture, or is this like a, facility area that you go to practice so that is the highland mountain bike park slope style course that i was just talking about good lord um, that's where <laughs> that's where they had us open and the Freebird slope style series but th that photo was just from like a casual like sunset session gosh dang jeez louise uh <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy man that's awesome uh we got uh right here dude is a beast <laughs> mtb raging he's got those emojis going like holy cow uh this must be a friend right here joe hubble says uh leave it deep <laughs> yeah, sometimes, uh, sometimes people call me that <laughs> alpha mtb says check this page out definitely want to be where he is at one day yeah but that is cool. What, what, like, okay, so let's just talk about that real quick. If, if there's a kiddo out there who sees this content and he wants to get to this level, what would, what, I mean, to me, it just seems like, how would I ever get there? But like you were saying, don't rush progression, little bits at a time, but how, like, what pushes somebody like you? Like, is there a mental thing that you do or or is it a, like a belief in a faith system that you're, that you're into? Like what, what, how do you do this? <laughs> this is amazing. I think the, the main thing is just having something that you're passionate about. And like, we're, we're designed as humans with the ability to have a passion and something that you love and that you can connect with people on. So mm. for me, that was always riding a bike and, when you do something a lot, obviously you want to be good at it because like when you're bad at something, it might not be as fun as if you're good at it. So you strive to be good at it. Right. And if you put in the work, you know, take, take the time are willing to fall all in the name of progression. You can eventually achieve goals and 
be where you want to be with it. And that's, there's nothing better feeling than that. Man. So yeah, if you just put your mind to something that you're passionate about, you're going to meet people. It's going to take you places and it'll be, it's, it's worth the investment, you know, it's worth the time you spend and the risk for injuries and stuff. It's all worth it in the end. So if you keep your mind on that, then you can do anything. Love it, man. Sweet, sweet progression. Go ahead, Chris. So, and to add to that as an answer to the question. um, So, um, you know, definitely as Dave said, put, you know, put your mind to it and, um, you know, try the best you can. But like for, in in my case, growing up, like I became a really good rider, like not quite pro level. And that, that bothered me for a while because I put so much stock into like wanting that to happen, but just never quite getting there. And so I would say to new riders coming up, like don't fall into the comparison trap of like oh i need to be as good as this pro or this rider because sometimes you know we have to remember there's what's what's i call what i call the prodigy aspect of riding like some people like dave like they have a natural ability to just pick it up and you know not that there's not work but like it just comes easier to them you know Mm. and um so there's so if if a rider like if you're not getting like where you want to be or can't quite get to that level like don't be so hard on yourself like there's a place for everybody in mountain biking and just you know appreciate where you're at you know and and what you've accomplished even if it's just learning to ride a wheelie or just riding a trail better you know have your own little goals um that you uh can do and don't set the bar so high that you you know set yourself up for failure in a sense you know and that's a lesson i had to learn like i said as 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 a rider growing up and everything so um i say you know be 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 nice to yourself and just respect the level that you can get to you know yeah yeah appreciate it right appreciate where you are always strive you could strive for more appreciate what you are where you're at and know that you can grow into more uh, like David was saying, just like those little bits at a time and, and don't rush the progression. Um, Elias here is is asking a question. And he goes, like, for this picture, I mean, how do you even practice for that, he's asking. So you can use different tools that you find at different bike parks around the country or private setups. And a lot of times, like that trick right there, I think I probably learned it into a foam pit or an airbag or I at least tried it a few times into a foam pit airbag or a resi. And those are all just like different variations of padded landings. Okay. So you practice it there. And then when you're confident enough with it, knowing that you have a high chance of landing it, then you can take it to a dirt setup, work on your extension, get it bigger and bigger. So it just takes time. It's all about the progression, but there is ways to do it safely. When you're going from the pat, one of those padded variations of, of practicing something like this, and then you move it over to the dirt, like what's going through your, your mind? Is it that first one? Is your heart racing? Or do you have like this level of confidence where you just have to get in that zone? No matter what, the first time you take a trick to dirt after doing it in a foam pit or a resi or an airbag, it's always scary the first time going to dirt. Like you're always like your heart's racing. And even if you like, even if you know you're going to land it, it's still like quite a thrill to take it to dirt. And it kind of brings you to the next level of confidence with that trick. Even if you've done it a million times to an airbag, it's still like exciting to do it to dirt. And it's something you'll never get out of an airbag or a a foam pit by doing it to dirt, like actually doing it where it counts, you know? Yeah, good Lord. And then releasing the hands there. <laughs> it's like, man. So um, Elias was asking too, uh, if we have a foam pit nearby. So I, I don't know. I would guess it'd be Woodward would be the places. But how, is there a way to know if there are foam pits in the area for the MTB communities? I think you just have to kind of do your research, maybe just search for action sports facilities on the internet and um or just ask me. I have a pretty good idea on where everything is around the country. I drive around the country enough to know. So Dang. shoot Dang. me a message on Instagram. Uh, most typically, not all, but most indoor skate parks will have some type of foam pit or resi ramp. A resi ramp is like a foam bottom with a plastic top that you looks looks like blacktop on most um, and that you will kind of 
soften your landing. But yeah, most most indoor skate parks of, of any decent degree will have a, a foam pit that you can um, practice in or some type of area where you can practice tricks safely. Um, so I would say, you know, for riders looking for for foam pits like like Ray's here in this clip, uh, they have a, uh, I believe they have a foam pit. Um, it's been a while since I've been there. But um, yeah, call your local indoor skate park and, and check with them and, and they'll be able to tell you if they have a foam pit or RISI ramp set up to practice. Those are those are awesome. I, I love that part of progression. It helps give you just that confidence you need to take the, the trick to the next level and then dial it in and then eventually move it to dirt, like you were saying, David. Um, with all the people on on the line tonight, there's a, a ton of people that are watching you and just like their, their mind is blown. Um, Somebody actually even said in the questionnaires was like, man, did he have to get a lobotomy in order to make his bike and body do all this, you know? Um, but when we're, we're talking about practice and we're talking about learning these tricks and, and eventually moving them to dirt, that's one thing. But then taking this into contest, does that, does that change the whole thing? Oh yeah, for sure. When you, you can, it's just like another level to the scale of progression, honestly. Like you go from learning the tricks, all the basic building blocks to putting combinations together and doing them in a foam pit, then taking it to dirt. And then the next step beyond that, for me at least, is taking it to a competition where you can lay it all on the line and you have big risk, big reward. So I think doing stuff in a competition, you really have to be careful and do what you're confident with because when the crowd's there, when the pressure's on of doing a top to bottom run, when you're exhausted from hiking all day and you're thinking about all these factors, putting it all together when it counts is probably the hardest part, the hardest part of the sport. So if you can master that, then I'd say you're I mean, it's whatever your goals are, really. But like for me, I really enjoy just putting together a contest run because it feels like all the hard work pays off. Nice. Like it all paid off when you cross the finish line, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. When in, in the nerves and everything, is that is that like a whole new skill set to to kind of overcome and to make you feel like like that? Do you make the crowd go away? Is that the type of mentality that you take, or do you feed off of that energy? You know, it's different for every competition. It just depends on your confidence level going into it. So, like, if you're feeling really good, then you might thrive. If you're not so confident on the bike at that particular event, then it's going to feel a lot more difficult. So preparation is key. And really just the only way to get better at it is to do it often, which is something that's been quite difficult in the last few years because of the inconsistency of competitions yes. before the whole world shut down and all that stuff. Like I was competing so regularly, like I was really starting to have fun with it. And then nowadays it's so inconsistent that it's like, it's almost back to that new feeling every time I go into a competition. Oh, so man. I'm hoping this year brings a, a fuller schedule of competition so we can get back to that competitive feeling that I love. Right. To, to, to get you um, in there and to get that consistency. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, Dave, would you say that <clears throat> the uh, competition environment helps to push you guys as riders, you know, like you're one upping each other or encouraging each other. Would you say that, that that's a benefit to, you know, pushing harder, trying new tricks and such? Yeah, totally. The competition environment definitely helps with progression because there comes a time where you have to just turn the fear switch off and go for it. And then in those times, you really learn a lot about yourself and about your riding. And then after the competition's over, you're like, wow, I pushed myself that far. And like, we're here, we live to tell about it. So it's like, all right, this becomes the new normal. So every time you compete, it's like a huge leap of progression into the next level. You know, it's awesome. It's more of a personal thing as well even more so than like trying to one-up the other guys i mean like it's a competition so you are competing with them but also i'd say you're mainly competing against yourself to just ride the best that you can right. and hopefully it puts you on the top step of the podium wow dang definitely yeah. chris did you experience that when you were when you were in contest as well was that very similar oh we lost chris but 
Now, are are each contests like a different mindset, or is it is it similar each time? It's well, there, there's such a variety of what we do. Sometimes we're on the downhill bike. Sometimes we're racing dual slalom. Other times it's just plain old slope style, and you have to approach each event a little bit differently. So okay. it's just it, it's just all experience, and you really will never master it or get comfortable with it until you just try it and you got to just take that step and put your name on the sign up sheet you know dang man. it's the only way to get there dang that's uh that's awesome i love that you got to do it right um adam mock is in the audience he's asking what's a feature or trick that used to sketch you out but now feels normal to hit oh there's there's so many honestly like i guess front flips were a big one for me like when I first started front flips, I think I was, yeah, I was 14 years old when I did my first front flip. Now I'm 25. So 11 years ago and only up until about a year or two ago, they started feeling really comfortable to where I can actually just like go and do them, even though for the last 10 years, they've been terrifying. So <laughs> you can't give up with them. And so yeah, front flips, like you see in that video, that one was actually at a dual slalom race in oh, California. Oh, so damn. that was in, that was in practice, but there came around, I was facing Cody. I was going head to head with Cody Kelly and I, I, it was our second lap. So he had a pretty big advantage on me. And I knew that like, there was no way that I was going to um, be able to close the differential. So I just sent a front flip in my race run. And oh, it, was, <laughs> it was awesome. Cause it worked out got a big cheer out of the crowd and <laughs> i was gonna say of, but the crowd went wild yeah kind of yeah. left my mark as a slope style rider on the dual solemn scene so Dang, um, look at that. yeah it's just it's all about having fun and putting on a show at the end of the day you know <laughs> that's awesome that is <laughs> yeah. awesome um timothy haley um, is in the audience and he's asking any plans on competing in rampage so i actually visited rampage for the first time in 2021 I'd never gotten to see that event before in person. And honestly, I'd never really ridden in Utah before until October of 2021. So going out there was a whole new world. It's like you're on the moon. The jumps are bigger. The terrain's steeper. And just learning the land takes years. I, I don't think wow. you can go out there and take it on in a single year. But um, I definitely would like to do Rampage someday if the opportunity presents itself, I'm not going to back down, but I still have a lot of learning to do in the desert and figuring out that terrain. So um, if the opportunity is there, I'll take it. If it's never there, I'm not going to beat myself up, but I'm definitely going back to Utah either way. Nice. Nice. Now is that it is, is rampage invite only for the participants that are in there? Yeah, it's God. the top. They invite 15 they, this year. They invited 15 athletes, I think. And 10 of them were pre-qualified from the year before. Oh, wow. So there's like five wild cards or something like that. Wow. So it's a very limited field of riders. And most of the riders spend their whole year preparing for Rampage. And that's really like the, the main thing that they do and focus on. That way oh. they can put their whole heart into it. Because it's that gnarly. Like it's yeah. no joke out there. Yeah, people get broke on yeah. that one when they... Well, they got all those guys are a stellar athletes. Um, Andrew Chavers is an up and coming star, I believe, in the mountain bike world. He's a, a teenager who has just got phenomenal talent, and he's asking, trying to get into free ride. But what tips do you have? Ooh, I think tips for free ride is well, depending on where you live, it's different everywhere you go, but it's also something you have to make it your own. Like if you're in Utah then you have all the opportunity in the world to go out there and ride stuff that's already been created. But if you are on the East coast or in Texas or wherever, you know, anywhere you live, you just have to use the terrain that you have to go out there and send it, hit big jumps, build it yourself and, you know, make it gnarly. So 
just ride as hard as you can and go as big as you can at all times. And I'd say that'd be, that'd make you pretty free ride. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've seen, this, I've seen this guy around uh, here and he definitely is, is doing that, which is, which is great. Uh, Isaiah Bernstein, uh, shout out to the trail dogs is on the line. He says there's only five new ones. So yeah, backing us up there on that uh, uh, rampage invite. Uh, there was some gnarly crash this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That was, that was rough to see. Um, Chris, I was going to ask you what, when it came to yeah, when you were competing. Oh yeah, it's okay. Um, in contest, uh, I mean, it, did you also feel for you, I mean, everybody's a little different. Did it also feel like that was a whole new, um, thing to tackle? Yeah. So kind of similar to Dave's background. Um, I started, well, I did a lot of downhill racing, um, and then as the years went on, I got more into like trials and skate park and trail riding and stuff like that. But yeah, I would say the competition um, atmosphere definitely, I mean, does put pressure, but it does push you to, you know, try your best, maybe um, go more than you thought you could. And, um, and then afterwards, you know, you like you make it and you have this like, like good adrenaline rush, like, oh my, like I did it. Like, you know, I pushed myself harder than, than I thought I could. So it definitely yeah. is um, healthy um, as long as you keep it in the context of it's meant to keep you pushing forward. Um, but as I said prior, if you don't quite do as good as you think, like don't beat yourself up over it, you know, but um, yeah, but competition environment definitely um, can, can certainly make you a better rider because you're all pushing each other to, you know, go bigger, go faster, you know, whatever the, the style of competition is. And then a quick note on the other kid that asked about be, uh, getting into free ride. Um, mm -hmm. I would say nowadays free ride is a mix of going big, like Dave was talking about, but also being able to throw tricks. So as we saw earlier, where Dave had his downhill bike, he had his dirt jump bike. If possible, it's good to have a mix of bikes like that because the tricks that you and Aaron touched on this in our last podcast, the tricks that you learn in a skate park or at the dirt jumps, you can incorporate some of that into your free ride runs, you know, to, to kind of give you an edge on maybe some of the other riders that are throwing as many tricks. So it's good to be, you know, kind of well-rounded like that. If you want to, you know, try to take it seriously. Yeah, no, that's great advice. That's really great advice. Um, yeah, for sure. And speaking of, um, you know, progressing and, and getting well-rounded and, and things, uh, David, I noticed that you are living, uh, I don't know if you're, if you're living the van life now, but I, I do see that you had the van life um, at some point. And uh, I think that's got to be an advantage too, because you're able to travel around and ride different terrain and things like that. Um, could you talk a little bit about your experience uh, living the van life? Yeah, for sure. Um, van life started about four years ago. No five years ago now is 2017 I got my first van and I traveled one of the first places I went was to Colorado Freeride Festival where I began my slopestyle career but um the amount of places you can go the people you'll meet you know it's it's incredible like where a van can take you and you can fit all your gear you can sleep there you can cook there it's like unlimited opportunity for a mountain bike rider like and I don't think my career would be anywhere close to where it would be if I didn't get into the van life. Even nowadays, like I'm a little bit more established than I was when I first started, I'd say, but I still depend on my van to the point where like, if I didn't have a van, I don't know how I would manage to do even half the things I get to do in a year. So um, yeah. yeah, I'm really thankful for the van and all the opportunities that it brings. So I'm actually in the process right now of selling my van and getting a new one. And I'm building this next one out with the intention of uh, some more off-roading in Utah. So kind of going to build the Utah van. Dang. So what's going to, is that's going to be like a, like an overlander style, like a four wheel drive or, or what are your yeah. thoughts there on that? Yeah, exactly. The all wheel drive transit high roof. So Dang. I'm going to do a two inch lift on it and um, it's going to be, ready for utah hopefully by fall you know when everyone goes out there so that's that's gonna nice. be awesome that's gonna be so great everyone's uh everyone's uh, saying right here um 
or MTB. Well, what's up, MTB Jardine? I just saw you out there at Greer today, man. Good to see you. Sorry, I couldn't stay for some tacos, but they smelled amazing. Um, he's asking, what serious injuries have you guys experienced, and how did you guys overcome that fear when it came time to send it? Good question. Oh, yeah. Dave's like, <laughs> I don't me, get it. <laughs> I've been really, really lucky, and I think it all goes back to that uh, don't rush progression, progress 1% of the time, learn your tricks in the foam pit before you take them to dirt. And I've, the, I guess my worst injuries, I've bruised my ribs a few times. That is not fun at all, but I mean, it could be way worse. I broke my foot when I was 17 years old and that was probably one of the most painful things, but I was back riding in like four to six weeks ish. So um yeah as long as you always wear your safety gear take precautions don't take any any completely unnecessary risk sometimes you have to send it but right. if you just take it slow and think things through envision them a lot of times i just envision what i'm about to do until i fully understand it in my head that way when i actually go do it it works usually perfectly so all of those little steps but you know just be careful like at the end of the day, you don't want to crash and hurt yourself so bad that you can't walk because then like, it's just, then you can't ride the next day and I want to ride every day. So, yeah, yeah, no, I know that would be tough to be off the bike for too long. And man, I love what you said about envisioning it. That uh, seems to be a mental practice. A lot of athletes use at a high, high level. Um, I've been told that your brain really some doesn't know the difference between really envisioning you doing something and actually doing it, you know, cause you can sort of understand the dynamics of what's happening and wrap your mind around it. Um, that is very cool that you do that. It's very cool that you do that. Yeah. That's everything. Like without, if, if I can't envision it, there's no way I can do it. Like, and that's consistent with every single trick that I know how to do. Usually I have it worked through in my head or the one place where you can kind of send it without envisioning it is the foam pit but that's kind of where you're developing that ability to envision it. Mm, that makes sense. And like you were saying earlier, probably with other writers, if you're, if you're with somebody else and you guys are trying to learn the same thing, I bet that helps wrap your mind around it. Like, okay, I see what they did. They were a little bit closer, you know, and by the end of the day, you guys probably have it nailed, which is, uh, which is good. Um, Isaiah Bernstein is asking, where is the safest place to practice new tricks? You say the foam pit? Yeah, I would say the foam pit. And then there's places like Highland Mountain Bike Park in New Hampshire or Camp Royal in West Virginia. And those places kind of have all the facilities right there. So mm -hmm. if you can make it out to West Virginia or New Hampshire, or I guess any of the Woodwards around the country, they usually have all the facilities like and everything you need right there. So if you can have like a day or two at any of those places, it really ramps up your progression quickly. Dang. Oh, man, that'd be so fun. Chris, have you been in a foam pit before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> my generation of riding is probably be about maybe one generation behind Dave's. Um, you know, I grew up riding in the late 90s and early 2000s um, with Aaron Chase, actually. Um, you know, he was like the guy that we looked up to that was like, at the time, you know, leading the forefront, but yeah, it was very similar, you know, foam pits. And like I was saying, you know, a lot of times, like what you would learn in, in the skate park or in a closed environment, you'd want to take the dirt or like take out to the trail in some capacity, you know, mm -hmm. so you would learn the trick in the foam pit or the Rissy ramp, and then you'd find a way to like bring it outside the park, you know, and apply it to a contest or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, but no, they are, here's what I would say though. Here's the caveat is a foam pit mentally can, can get you a little bit lazy in the sense that like your brain knows that you're going to land soft. And so sometimes you don't try as hard, you know, and you get lazy with it. Um, so I would say if somebody's going to start using a foam pit as a practicing device is commit to the trick as if you were going to dirt, you know, mm. and I, and I say that from experience because I found myself getting lazy at times, like, you know, trying stuff and, you know, oh, it's a foam pit, you know, it's like, but if you're not going to commit to the foam pit, then you wouldn't be able to commit to, to a hard landing, you know? So mm. if you are going to use training tools, um, you know, still have the commitment that you would, if you were going to put it to dirt. 
So mm, that's a good, that's a, that's great advice. Um, Isaiah is following that last question up with this one. He's saying, have you guys tried airbags before? Which one is more mentally safe to send? So I actually have a giant airbag in my yard. It's a 13 foot tall airbag landing. It's 27 feet wide. So really big, but although I think airbags are awesome, they're an awesome tool for learning and progression. It's more of just like a step in the process. And it definitely doesn't replace a foam pit. Like there's, you can crash on the airbag, but like you wouldn't necessarily want to, you don't want to crash because like every crash still hurts. Like when you ragdoll and twist your legs all up or slam your head, it definitely hurts. It's nowhere near the level of dirt, but like, I would say take stuff from the foam pit. Once you have it mastered in the foam pit, take it to an airbag. And then once you have it mastered on an airbag, then take it to dirt. And that's something that people didn't have before airbags were as available. People would take things from the foam pit straight to dirt. Oh and my like, God. I think airbags have just kind of allowed for such an increase in progression. That's why you see like people doing the tricks they're doing when you watch Crankworks or any of the big mountain bike events, people are doing insane tricks constantly. So yeah. airbags, I think have really allowed that to happen, but without a foam pit, you would definitely be getting hurt on the airbag regularly. Got it. Got it. That's like yeah. a really next step. It seems like to, to be able to go over to the airbag from the foam pit yeah that's uh is this is this the airbag you're talking about there david yeah that's it that thing is huge (laughs) (laughs) dang that looks super fun oh my gosh um it says let's see yeah do we have any other questions here guys if you have any more questions go ahead and, and type them in Right and Dirty says, uh, I tried an airbag once, but I was terrible at it and I hated it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, a lot of people don't like it at first, but when you think about how useful it is, like once you just figure out and get used to it, ride one enough, you start to learn like how to land on it. But it definitely, it, it doesn't matter. There's no, no better feeling than landing on dirt. So yeah, you just have to acknowledge that the airbag is there to help you learn the trick before you take it to dirt and deal with how weird it is to land on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on an airbag like that, that we see right here, I mean, that looks like you could roll out of it, right? You, you could stick yeah. the trick and, and uh, roll out of it. Totally. Yeah. You, you roll out of it every time, whether you're on the bike or off the bike. <laughs> <laughs> I look, roll on your body all the way to the end. I look at, um, I look at foam pits and airbags like, you know, going to school. And then when you land it to dirt, that's like your graduation, you know, like yeah. you, you, you finally did it. You practiced and now you made it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, speaking of these uh, things we're talking about earlier and tricks in this, in this whole series here, is there, is there a particular contest that's in here that, that uh, you wanted to talk about those maybe either the craziest or the scariest or the most exciting? Um, I think my most memorable event was probably us open 2019. Okay. Just because it was, there were so many obstacles and it was one of those days where it was, everything was difficult, but then somehow I was able to overcome all of the obstacles and take the win. So is is this a piece of it right here? Um, that was actually Colorado free ride festival. That was my first event ever in 2017. That's your first event ever. Oh my gosh. Holy cow. Look He's at doing that. a triple whip. Right? <laughs> that was Great. such a cool event. That, I wish that event would come back. Like they don't do it anymore, but it was so fun. The course was great. Like it was up in Winter Park in Colorado. Just like an incredible time. Wow. But, yeah, back that... to US Open. It was so yeah. memorable because all the obstacles and I was able to come out on top and Till this day, I haven't been able to do that since, but I'm still searching for that next win like that. And hopefully it's this year, you know, but we'll keep on searching. Never yeah. give up. Man, it's amazing. So Mark, um, David, is there is there a clip of you in that contest in here? Um, Maybe way back. Okay. I think, yeah, you're at the beginning of 2021. Yeah. I have to go back quite a bit. Okay. 
It, Chris, you were gonna you're gonna ask a question of David. Oh, no, yeah, I was just gonna add that the the contest Dave is talking about that's the one that I had mentioned before where, um, you know, I know some of the people I was there with they're like who the Dave who like who is this kid, you know? And yeah, um, it's right there. He just passed it. Yeah, and he came around to win. You know, take the whole thing, Dave. I think it came down to you and Nikolai, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it was it was a uh, that's one of the intro uh, videos. I think it's like a couple couple posts after that. Right here, maybe. Uh, maybe the other direction. This way, that, this one. That one. Yeah, might have to go up a little bit. Yeah, go next to the no, slope style words. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, go up one, right above the slope style words. Right there. Uh, right next to that. Sorry. That's okay. This one right here. Uh, other way. Oh. Uh, that is from US Open, actually. That clip is. So what is it that you're throwing there? Tail whip, bar spin, backflip. Yeah, exactly. Louise, David. <laughs> Good flip lord. <laughs> yep, flip, flip whip bar. That was flip. the last feature in the in the competition, and that was actually my second flip whip bar ever. So the first one was the weekend before in a contest, and that one was the weekend after in a contest. So stoked it worked out, and it led me good, to the win. But good grief. it was wild. Good grief! So were you just in the moment, and you just threw it? You just knew, like you have the confidence. I've done this once before. I'm going to stick it right here at the at the at the end. Well, it was actually in my second run at the end of the competition, I was the last, or I, I was almost the last rider to drop. I think there was a couple more dudes after me, but I had already done my first run. And then it was basically like, I had to do it if I wanted to improve my score. And I just took a deep breath before, like I, before I hit the last jump and it was just like, all right, here we go. This has to work. And then wow. it did, you know, it was kind of a magical feeling once it worked out. Wow. That was kind of like just you knew you had to go for it uh, in order to get the points. That's a, that's amazing, man. That you kind of know that going into it and just uh, knowing that you're going to send it. Good. Yeah, and I was grief. I was there to, to I saw that live. It was it was really cool to to see. And um, you know, I'm glad Dave because uh, Nikolai is known for his um, his cash rolls and you know, he has a lot of signature tricks. So for you know Dave to come around and, and take the win was pretty. cool cool to see wow that must have been like a ton of hard work and i bet that felt so good that that payoff i mean i'm looking at that right there with all the champagne you guys are on the podium that must have been the best feeling yeah there's there were so many obstacles with that one though like i don't think there will ever be an event that special to me just because like i said the ops like the struggle leading up to it and even after the event like well, even the day of the event, it was 102 degrees or something ridiculously hot. I was sitting in the infirmary, like under an air conditioner, trying to cool off. And then I had to go up for my run. And then we battled it out. And crazy backstory as well. My van at the time was broken down in the parking lot. And a couple weeks prior, I it was broken down for a couple weeks. So I had a bill the only way that i could fix it and get home there was currently an eight thousand dollar bill wait, oh. on the table waiting for it and i oh. didn't have the money in my bank account so that day the prize was five thousand dollars and basically that was the only way that i was going to be able to afford to get my van out of there and get home no way so that kind of made it really epic just to know that all that was on the line and then it worked out. So you know, someone, <laughs> someone was looking out for me. Yeah. That's incredible. That's incredible. And this was all like stuff before the whole pandemic, right. And you're still having to deal with all these operational things. And, and were you traveling in just before this, or were you able to get there and, and practice this for a little bit before the contest? So conveniently enough, that's like where my, that's where I go every summer is Highland Mountain Bike Park. And I was actually coaching there for three weeks and a combination of coaching there and winning the competition allowed me to eventually get out of there. But, you know, that's where I wanted to be. That's where 
I was, that's where the contest was. So it was just kind of magical the way it all worked out. Dang. That is nuts. The heat, knowing that you had the van on your mind, knowing that you had to witness in order to be able to make it back home. Everything was on the line. And then, uh, Chris, who was the gentleman that he, he took the, per- the purse away from right at the very uh, end? Man. And to know you had to send that trick at the very end, just to put you up above. <laughs> oh, good grief. Yeah. That is awesome. But um, yeah, it was, it was really cool just to be up there with him. Like I said, at the beginning, when I first discovered BMX videos on YouTube, Nikolai was the first one that I discovered and I was watching his videos and uh, trying to be like him, honestly, you know, trying to learn <laughs> all the tricks that he could do. Wow. So to battle it out with him was an honor, you know, <laughs> it's wow. awesome. That is awesome. And what an epic way to like, you know, show stop it at the end. So close like that with your, basically maybe your, your idol, you know, growing up and riding the bike. That's very cool. That's very cool. David, um, Isaiah Bernstein is asking, what do you say to yourself before each run? Or do you have something that you do? Yeah. So kind of my thing before I drop in for a run is I, so I'm a believer in God. I believe in Jesus Christ and that he died for our sins. So what I do before every run is I just bow my head and say a little prayer. And I ask the Lord to protect me and to um, let his will be done more than anything. Like if, if it's his will, however, whatever is going to glorify him the most, if it's me winning or if it's me losing and having a positive attitude or if it's getting hurt in the comeback story, I just say that prayer like, Lord, take care of me and let your will be done. And then I know whatever happens is going to be OK. So that's in that that alone takes all my nerves away. It's insane. Like I could be my heart rate could be 190. I'll be stressed out. And then when I just like take that quiet moment before each of my runs, it just like, honestly, it'll just cut the nerves and they'll be gone. And then it's just like game on. Let's go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. And it does say in, if you're, you know, if you're a believer in the Bible, doesn't it say somewhere in there to give your uh, stresses and anxieties to him? Yeah. Cast all your cares on me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There Um, it is. And, you know, to to me also, also as, as a believer, um, you know, what's interesting is there's, there's a podcast called uh, the Babylon Bee, and they got a lot of recognition recently. They're, they're, they're a faith-based podcast and they talk about a lot of different subjects, but they recently had Elon Musk on there. He's was apparently a fan of the podcast and, and they had him on and, you know, they, there was a part in the podcast where he said, you know, when I was a kid, 12, 13, something like that. He said, I I read all these philosophy books, all these different religious books and everything. And, and, you know, to try to find the answer, like, what's the meaning to life? Like, ultimately, why are we here? You know, it's fun to ride bikes or whatever we're into, but ultimately, why are we here? And he said, I could never find an an answer to that. And so, and it's, and at the end of the podcast, they, they kind of sprung it on him, but they, they, said again this is elon you know we're talking about right spacex tesla you know like you know richest man in the world and they asked him you know would you be open to accepting christ you know make that personal decision and he went on to say that you know jesus had a lot of good teachings but he said you know hey if jesus if it's true that he saves people then he said yeah he said why not i'd be open to that so um you know, but it's interesting that the the wealthiest, most resourceful person in the world wonders about like that ultimate purpose. And in scripture, it says that we can find that in Christ if we make that choice. You know, it does have to be a personal choice, but it's awesome to know that, you know, we're not just out here floating in space for no reason, that there is a purpose to life. And um, and if we will seek that out, that, you know, not, we'll not just that we'll find the answers, but we'll we'll um, we'll find that that deep love that that you know that we all search for that can only be met by by a relationship with god and not not other earthly things so uh but yeah yeah that's cool man you got a lot of folks saying amen amen to that amen to that um isaiah uh, rides with the trail dogs it's a group of five of those guys so when it's just them uh together they're able to say their prayer out loud and says uh when it's just us five we always ask for protection before we drop in 
that is cool, man, that that's one of the things you do to help take away the stress and the fears before you drop into something like what we see here. I mean, the stuff that you're doing is just amazing. It's amazing. Um, Chris, did you have any other questions uh, that you wanted to ask David? We're, we're at 55, and I know it's about a, almost 11.30, David, your time. So I want to commit to that one hour for you. Um, or folks in the audience, if you guys have any more questions of David, um, please chime them in. We have him here for a few more minutes. Yeah, well, to kind of piggyback, um, there'll be a question coming up from, I think it's Isaiah, about the about the future of slope style. So real, real quick recap. So when I was on with Aaron, I talked about the history of mountain biking. And in a quick nutshell, that was basically in the 1970s, you had the clunkers, as they were known, where they'd go down fire roads and like, you know, Gary Fisher and Lamont, like all those guys, um, and then led to the bike boom in the 80s with mountain biking and BMX. Uh, BMX boom fell off in the early 90s um, where mountain biking continued. Um, then 95, you had the X Games where BMX was shown to a much broader audience. Um, and then in the mid to later 90s, you had mountain biking getting into doing more dirt jumps. And I, I had talked about the struggle where the BMXers were like, hey, get lost. Like, this is BMX stuff. And the mountain bikers were the same thing. Like, if you're riding a mountain bike, like, just do mountain bike stuff, you know. And it wasn't until really like the mid 2000s, I would say that once you had contests like Rampage, uh, Crankworks, um, where like, free ride and skate park stuff really started to get recognition and that was my generation in the mid 2000s so it's cool to see younger riders like dave where you know from my generation having to push through all that stuff um to kind of pave the way for future riders to um you know to be on the scene um and so i would uh, ask that question to dave like you know, how, how do you see free ride now? And we already see it going in the next, um, you know, five to 10 years. Yeah, I think you're exactly right with the way it kind of developed into what it is now. And I think where I see it going in the future, where I would like to see it go, I guess I don't know where it's actually going because you never know where it's going. But where I would like to see it go is a little bit more technical, a little bit more creative, um, if you've seen, I, I don't know, one of my favorite videos at the moment is, uh, realm by Brandon Seminook, that video mm -hmm. yeah. where they have the satellite dish and the logs and all that cool wooden features that they built. If slope style were to take a turn more towards the creative build side of things, I would really be excited about that. And that's where I want to go. I want to do similar stuff in my own videos and really just instead of big 50 foot jumps, like we'll save that for free ride, you know, like get on the downhill bike, hit the 50 foot jumps, all that stuff. But slope style, I think there's room to be a little bit more creative and kind of build weird features and see how people ride them, let them ride them differently, yeah. you know, rather mm -hmm. than where the biggest trick is. So I think mm -hmm. right now we're pretty, I don't want to say maxed out at where, the, how big the tricks can get, but I mean, the tricks are huge at the moment. And if we could oh, just yeah. take these big tricks and apply them to unique features, I think it could be really cool. So that's where I want to see it go. That's what I'm going to try to do with my videos and maybe I can have some influence over where it goes. I bet you will, man. I, yeah. I bet you will. Hey, don't, um, don't forget, you still have to do that 360 up the steps like that video I sent you. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, real quick, yeah, Dave. Dave has a really good point with the technicalities, like Brandon Simonock and um, you know Danny McCaskill, um, uh, yeah. Fabrio uh, Fab Wibner, mm -hmm. um, all that kind of creative technical stuff, even a little bit trialsy. Um, you know, it, it would be cool to see the sport go in that direction because, yeah, I mean the. You know, the jumps, like just as we saw with this last rampage, you know, we had some injured riders. I mean, the jumps and drops are, you know, they're, I think they're pretty much reaching their limit as far as what's humanly possible. Um, so to kind of see it go in a more creative direction, I think would be a great positive um, path for, for the sport in the future. Would be cool to see like that combination of trials slash slope, you know, that you guys just 
taking things, ordinary things and turning them into something that you can ride and, and do things off of. That would be awesome. Um, quick thank you to Trail Monster for the $5 donation for the show tonight. Really appreciate it. He says, blessings to all three of you on screen and to everyone viewing. Very, very, very cool. Um, Isaiah's asking a, a question. He said, or no, he's just making a statement. He says, they thought the front flip was impossible, but people are doing tuck fronts now. Crazy, crazy. So a quick um, quick note on that. So one of the first... Uh, I do my fan. one of the first official front flips that was caught on video was um, a Thor Wixom, who's a, a, a he's a Hollywood film producer now, but um, or cameraman, I should say. But he used to produce mountain bike videos back in the day. And back in 97, he has a video called Plush. And, and that was a lot of that scene is big BMX riders doing tricks on mountain bikes, which was one thing that really inspired me at the time to want to go in that direction. So there's a rider named Matt Barrier, and um, he was ch he's challenged like 200 bucks to do a front flip on a BMX bike. And it took him like three or four tries, but he eventually lands it. And, wow. um, you know, so that was back in 97, what, 24, 25 years ago. So it's um it's interesting how long some of these tricks have been around it just takes like an incubation period for it to like you know catch on to a wider um range of riders but um yeah it's really cool to see that yeah the future looks bright uh the future looks bright with riders like david lieb and uh, his crew that are out there just really pushing the sport which is obviously pushing the different bikes the things that we're able to enjoy as a result of it um, David, we are up on an hour. So um, just wanted to say in closing, obviously, thank you so much for being on the show and for shedding some light um, and faith on the show. I really appreciate it to the audience. It was is super awesome to talk to you. Uh, let the folks know where they can follow you, um, where they are following your path in your racing and social media. Yeah, for sure. Well, I just want to thank you for having me as well and giving me a platform to speak on. It's uh, really awesome that you do this and have people on all the time. You know, it's, uh, it's really good. So oh, thank you. Man. And um, yeah, if you want to follow me or send me a DM or whatever, I have my Instagram, which I'm most active on. That's just David Lieb underscore. So it's just, there's an underscore after it. There might be some imposter out there somewhere with the real one. Um, <laughs> yeah. David Lieb underscore. And then my YouTube is just David Lieb. So I'm going to be posting a lot more on YouTube this year and Instagram. And then if you ever want to shoot me a message or something, I'm pretty good at respond to, responding to DMs. So feel free to reach out. And where can we tune in when you're competing uh, this upcoming year in, in, your, in your events? Uh, a lot of times they're on Red Bull TV, but it's just different for every single event. So we'll, uh, I'll, I usually post on my instagram story like where you can watch stuff before it happens awesome awesome man thank you so much ladies and gentlemen david leave good luck this season buddy thank you thanks See you for guys. jumping right. on you and that is a wrap on episode 58 with our special guest David Lieb, Fox US Open, Slope Style Champion 2019. Hope you're able to take away some great tips on progression, as well as the mindset that goes behind going into competition. Hope this really helps you all. And uh, remember folks, when you're out there on the trails or out of your job or whatever you're doing, find something about it that you love, be passionate about it, and uh, set those goals and intentions because all of that hard work will always pay off. Look forward to seeing you out on the trails or on the next episode. See you soon.